This is Jesse Parker and Tommy Niblack. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Faith, faith Chair, Chair, where we answer the questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture. In this episode, Tommy and I will discuss church discipleship versus Jesus discipleship. Hope you're ready. Let's get into it. All right. Yo, yo, yo. We are here. It's Faith Chair Friday, and uh, it's starting to get cold out there. I am wearing sweatpants, and I have wore a jacket. That's a sign. I wore That's a, a sign. Although I only wore the jacket so that my hair wouldn't get wet, because you're going to have to cut it. That's right. So I didn't, <laughs> it's raining a little, so I was like, let me not get my hair soaked. It would make Tommy's job harder. Thank but, you. I mean, I could use scissors on the top, but... The clippers it, on the side. It has seat. gotten cold enough outside to where Jesse has transitioned from Man, and to sweatpants. Man, th- that is how you know. That is how you know. <laughs> Y'all, uh, do you realize you said, you mentioned me cutting your hair. We started this with you in the barber seat. Yes. And we were cutting hair. We were recording video of me cutting your hair and then audio of, of, of the conversation. Um, and... Man, that's where it all started. I think it's crazy. Gonna, I think season four, we're going to have to do a throwback episode. We're going to have to throw back. We're going to have to throw back. From people who miss the sound of the barbershop. Right. <laughs> but that's where, if you're just tuning in, that's the reason why we call this podcast the Faith Chair Podcast, because so many of the conversations about faith and its intersection between uh, culture, um, intersection with culture, came up in the barber chair. We were, we were, I was cutting his hair and we was having these conversations. So, uh, I will be cutting his hair after this conversation, um, of which I am excited to get into, especially, and we talked a little bit about some of the Mars Hill, uh, podcast, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast a few weeks back, but this particular topic, we might have to touch on some of those, <laughs> Yeah. some of those things. What are we going to get into yeah. today? I th- and, and I think it could touch on a lot of it, right? And I think that's why the that podcast has resonated with so many people yeah. because the the microcosm or the case study, if you will, of the rise and fall of Mars Hill uh, speaks to the American ch- church culture in yeah. so many different ways, um, in, in ways that completely transcend like mega church versus small church, like um, and. Uh, and I really think that in some ways it's 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 really shined the light on yeah. the American church culture. And I was talking with a friend of mine the other day, and I was like, you know, I really think uh, when you look at the timing of this podcast mm-hmm. coming out with everything else, all the upheaval and shifts and changes and shaking that's happening in the church and in our nation and in the world over the last 18 to 24 months, I think it's, it was very timely. And I think there's divine intention yeah. uh, from God in having this come out now. Yeah. Um, because I re- you know, we believe, and we said it many times that we really feel like God is, is calling his church to shift. Yeah. And I think that's been very apparent from, from the, the restrictions that happened from the pandemic mm-hmm. to, uh, all of the unrest and turmoil, turmoil coming uh, all over the place around issues that we've discussed, like LGBTQ, mm-hmm. um, critical race theory, 
um, you know, conservative politics versus progressive politics, all, all Christian you know, nationalism, all that. Yeah, all of that stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he, God is definitely trying to wave a really big red flag. Yeah. And and call out to his church, and so yeah. I think that podcast has been part of it. So, yeah, we'll we'll touch this. This podcast isn't going to be about this right. episode is not going to be about that podcast, but um, but there's going to be parts of it that we have already we had already talked about. Yeah, is going to tie into to today. But but what do we want to get into today? Uh, is is the question of, and I feel like there's a few episodes <laughs> where we've kind of talked around this. Um, so some of this might might f- sound familiar, but we're going to kind of dig deeper into it on this episode intentionally with a focus is the, the, the question of what what I'll term church discipleship versus Christ discipleship. Yeah. And, and I guess we can just start off with uh, what is that? What do those terms mean to you? Like, what, what do you think when we say church discipleship versus Christ discipleship? To me, that means uh, like we talked about before we started. Uh, recording church discipleship for me it 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 means and it looks like uh, because I've experienced it assimilating people to the systems put in place by that leader whatever that whoever that pastor is is male female whatever we are discipled or made to learn the ways in which we go about acting in this person's presence. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's it's essentially <laughs> like it's like behavior socialization. Right. Like right. like this is how we dress. This is right. how we talk. This is how we don't talk. This is how, you know, these are the terms that we use to describe things. And right. you know, you can I you we know this to be true because you can identify people's denominational background and oftentimes, at least in terms of the more well known pastors, even the church that they go to, yeah, specifically, so simply scary. by their their attire and, right. and mostly by the terminology in their language. That's right. Um, you can you can tell if somebody is Baptist or Lutheran or Pentecostal. Praise or, the Lord, brother. Or or uh, um, <laughs> uh, what's the other P? That I'm. Uh, you said Pentecostal. I said Pentecostal. Presbyterian. Presbyterian. That's what I was thinking of. You you can tell. Yeah. Um. Just a, just around the those types of things. So it's it's a it's a culture a socialization a culturalization a, a behavior norm. Yeah. Right. Which isn't really what discipleship is is necessarily supposed to be. None of that. I mean, I guess in some ways Christ discipleship includes that. But like you said. It, if we were Christ discipling, then we would all have shared language, terminology, behavior. It wouldn't. You wouldn't be able to differentiate right. different right. Tr- Christian right. traditions. Right. Right. Uh, that says that we're discipling people to something that's maybe a little bit different, more man-made. Or we, we'll talk about probably oftentimes a lot different yeah. <laughs> than the standard of Christ, which is right. what the purpose of a biblical discipleship is. But I think you make a good point: is that I think a lot of times in the church and when you read books and you yeah. say like it's always couched in terms of people are discipling people or people are not discipling people. Yeah. That's not true. We need to realize we're that always we're always discipling. yes, we're always <laughs> discipling people. That's right. It's just a question of what we're discipling, what we're shaping yeah. them into. People are always being shaped into something by the influences and the the forces around them, the community around them, but what with it when it comes to the church, the question is, what are we forming people right. into? There's a a quote. I'm gonna 
a phrase that I heard quoted a couple years back, and I know I'm going to get it wrong. I should have put, I should have written it down, but it it has to do with we get the culture that we want, not necessarily the culture that we create. Mm. So, in terms of we're always discipling, we're discipling whether we know it or not. Right, right. Because and, we, we and, talked and about that last episode right, with right. like. The, the way the church is structured, it can't help but create power dynamics. It, it can't help it. Which, which there's no way to not have that result in some form of abuse right. because of human nature. Right. So even the best pastors who are trying to teach people not to do that, mm-hmm. because of the format of church, they still get lifted up on a pedestal. Still and oftentimes, humility. maybe even higher because right. they teach humility, mm-hmm. but people can't help but in that form. Right. Elevate them, creating power dynamics, which lead to abuse. It's it's, it's a just, it's a given. Yeah, it's so one that, of those things it's a given. Yeah. May not even be what the leader wants, um, or it is not is intending to. Right. But, but the but the system is still it creates intended? what it. We don't intend. Uh, I knew I said it wrong, but it's it's basically, um, you wind up with something, that you never intended by virtue of the fact that you that you have not laid out a scalable plan of attack right mm-hmm. so yeah um uh well, you're back to what you said we're always discipling whether we know it or not people are becoming like you because you're in charge so what we talked about i think it was the last episode or two episodes back we have to steward that position well because whether or not you are saying yes i'm discipling them i'm teaching them how to be like christ Unbeknownst to you, you're really teaching them to be like you. They got the same car you have. They wear the same clothes you wear. You know, they talk the same like you said mm-hmm. earlier. They um, they think the same way. That's how the church we were at. We always yeah. used to be like, oh, there go the clones. Right. Like it was. Right. As soon as somebody would come and kind of like start getting into leadership or, or join the internship that you yeah. had to pay for. Uh, hmm. all of a sudden, yeah, they started talking like the leaders. They yeah. started dressing like the leaders, yeah. and uh, and it was kind of it was you, kind of creepy. You have, uh, it's it's one of those things where they replace. So we're talking about church discipleship versus Christ discipleship. They replace this person. This leader replaces Christ as our example, right? with them now is our example. So we start to say, um, we start to speak like them. And, and, and here's where I was going with that. It's crazy because I was brought up in a church where, and was not long at a church, um, here recently where if pastors and leaders don't watch themselves and they're not careful, they get their opinion confused with scripture. Mm, yeah. They get their opinion confused with whatever God has mandated for, for us, whatever Christ's example was for us. Um, they'll infuse their opinion in there. And then now, because that person is so high up on our pedestal, we just like, well, pastor says that we can't. So I don't. Yeah. And, and I'm not saying that that is inherently wrong, but we run into a problem when um, we're more church-like than Christ-like. 
Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm it, saying? Or pastor-like than Christ-like. And I think that process is like, again, it's natural. Like, we desire to be like the people that we yeah. esteem. Yeah. Right? And, and of course, we've talked, that's part of the problem with celebrity culture is that yeah. we, we exalt and esteem people that we don't really have any chance to be like outside of oftentimes just being complete fools. Yeah. And, and you know, getting some kind of viral video or something or... or like we said, just figure out what people are going to click on and start putting that content out, even if you don't believe in it, that kind of stuff. Like, right. But, you know, the average person is never going to be, you know, Tom Brady. It's never going to be LeBron James. It's never going to be nope. uh, Denzel Washington. It's never going to, you know, uh, we don't, we're not, we're not going to have the opportunity to reach those levels. So then we begin to esteem something that's unreachable. It's no wonder that drives people crazy. Yeah. But in the church, uh, we've been talking about this in in, uh, in tribe church in our home church is like uh, Acts two forty two yeah you know and the disciples uh, devoted themselves to uh, the apostles teaching yeah. fellowship sharing of meals including um, the Lord's supper and prayer right and the fact that we focus so much on the things that they did that we skip over the part where it says and they devoted themselves yeah devotion is the key and that devotion drives us to be like whatever we become devoted to yeah. and you're exactly right that. Oftentimes we the our, the leader, the charismatic leader, the leader who has power and authority, whatever it is about that leader that attracts you to them, they yeah. become the object of devotion. Yeah. And so they become what you pursue to be like. Yeah. And and that's uh, like you said, that that can be okay if there's really a you truly have a scenario where, you know, it's Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. Right. But, but we've talked so much about how much, uh, you know, church culture, um, isn't producing those kind of leaders Yeah, and, and that we're building kingdoms of disciples shaped in our own likeness and image rather than in the likeness and image of Christ. Because so much of what we find in the Bible about Jesus and about his teachings, um, the book that I'm, that I'm. I kind of have framed out. It'll be the third book in the Reclaim series, and it'll be on discipleship. Yeah. Is, you know, the Great Commission says, uh, you know, making disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey my commands. So I went in, I went through the four Gospels. I see. And I think yeah. it's something like, Jesus actually had like 97-something commands. Yeah. And most of them are not so much like Old Testament type of old covenant commands mm -hmm. they're more about like it this is how you would live out the two great commandments mm -hmm. that was most of what his teaching mm -hmm. was about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but that book's really going to be breaking those down because how yeah. many i was like i didn't know there was 97 that's crazy The funny thing is, even though there's uh, there's 97, I, I think that's dope. Um, uh, and, and like you said last week, we were talking about how there's there's certain things we just don't know. There's certain things that we just don't have because we would make idols out of them. Mm. You, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I feel like those things were, you know, just like whatever traditions that the Jewish people were keeping 
those were things going back to mysticism that kept them feeling uh, like they have a close connection with God. Yeah. Um, and that stuff is cool. But and in the end, uh, when Paul said, "Follow me, like I follow Christ," he wasn't. He was not saying what we think he's saying as far as do ex- do exactly as I do. Yeah. Copy me. Yeah. He wasn't saying copy me. And in a sense, he was saying, "As I'm living for Christ, you live for Christ." Yeah. The way I live for Christ and de- and devote myself to Him, to His teachings, to the example of His life. You guys do the same thing. Yeah. Um, which completely eliminates copying me, following me, putting yeah. me on a pedestal. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about this earlier when you when you were when you were talking um about church leaders and 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 the different things that they do. Um I was like, man, it's crazy how we are we're, we're, it's hard for us to not put someone on a pedestal. Yeah. It's hard for us not to do yeah. that. But we should be able to tell the difference between um, earthly and heavenly based yeah. on the fact that Jesus' call was to death. Mm-hmm. Our call is to something totally different than that. Yeah. And when I say death, I don't, death, I don't mean... Um, my New York is coming on. When I say death, I don't mean... Uh, when, I say, when I say death, I don't mean physical. I'm talking about spiritual. Again, living and loving sacrificially. Is that person you're following calling you, calling us to sacrificial death and life as far as how I'm uh, um, uh, living and loving sacrificially? Uh, sick, um, um symbolically dying is really what it is yeah um us symbolically dying and living and loving sacrificially is that human calling us to that if not then they are not calling us to be like christ yeah because christ was like hey i'm dying for you and you should die for each other yeah and he wasn't saying that um uh literally it was figuratively um and uh i feel like when we put them on a pedestal, we start to admire the things they have, the people they're around, mm-hmm. and want that. Yeah. And I think I think you hit it right on the, the head, too, is like, because that verse has been misinterpreted or hijacked. Yeah. Because, again, this, more often than I think we really want to admit, is being done intentionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah. people trying to build their own kingdoms. Right. And using the name of Jesus, in the in the same way that, especially in the early days, a lot of Christian hip hop artists were not terribly Christian, and they were just dudes who couldn't make it. <laughs> and people might be like, "That's harsh." Look, I I listen to Christian hip hop, and you can tell the difference when rappers only when they only rap about themselves, and then they just mention God. For sure, for sure, you can tell. And then I'm still about and then, that life, and then so many you. of them were so bad, right? Like in the early days of Christian rap and hip hop before like talent before, came in, please. <laughs> when it was really just like because gospel gangsters was dope. Are you kidding me? What? What? People have different standards. What? Uh, anyways. Well, anyways. you also don't like sardines, so. <laughs> yes. <I don't... laughs> oh, so I'm not, like, my opinion is invalidated because I don't like sardines. Yeah, me and like 92% oh of the Oh my gosh. 
but uh, yeah, we didn't talk about that, y'all. It it was it smelled up in here. <laughs> Tommy's wife pointed out and apologized, and I was like, "What did you eat?" He said sardines oh and eggs. And I gosh. said, "Get out of my face, Yo, you girls!" So good, so <laughs> but, so but, good. But yeah, it's like it's not it's not be be like me. Right, 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 right. It's right. watch how I'm following Christ and imitate how I'm following That's Christ. It. That's it. The, That might sound like semantics, but it's not. There is a fine line there, but it's an important line. There's a big difference between become like me versus watch what I do in following Christ so that you can learn how to follow Christ. Not follow me. Follow me as I follow Christ. What you're imitating is the as I follow Christ, not the me. You're not trying to become me. Follow me as I follow Christ. That's right. I'm glad you said it's... You might think it's semantics. Because, <laughs> like, you can't mince those words. Like, yeah, it's, it's said that way for a reason. It's a, And it's important. It's an important distinction in yeah. that conversation, you know. And, and, and again, because that verse is one of the primary ways that this culture in the church has been justified. Yeah. Um, and, and even how people's participation in it is, in their own minds, justified. And, and again, part... Part of the big reason that that I felt like God led me to to write Reclaiming Christ was because in this question of church discipleship versus Christ discipleship, we don't, what's become apparent, and we've been talking about since day one on this podcast, it's really part of the reason for this podcast, is that the the modern church, especially in the United States, is we, we don't have a great conception and understanding of who Christ was. Of what he taught, like I said, is any no one's ever. I have never heard anyone say, in in the context of the Great Commission. Oh, and by the way, Jesus had ninety seven commands. Let's study mm-hmm. them. No <laughs> one does that. It's yeah. all it's all like it, it's kind of uh, uh, ethereal, right? Yeah. Like love your neighbor as yourself. Be like Christ. Have yeah. the mind of Christ. But we never talk about what how the rubber meets what the his road, actual teaching, what his commands out, right? were, what his teachings actually were. And, and, and of course, yeah, yeah, we do, like in sermons, but no one ever says, hey, this is a part of what we're supposed to be discipled yeah. into. Like, these are the these are the commands of, of Christ. These are the apostles' teaching yeah. that the the first church in Acts yeah, yeah, yeah. was devoted themselves to. Yeah. And that word devotion, it means f- an intense focus, yeah. pursuit, desire, and passion for something. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things that gets lost in this conversation about discipleship, again, is that the disciple has to want it. You don't call them and say, hey, are you coming to the discipleship group tonight? I was just wondering where yeah. you are. No, was, no, no, no. So we have... The disciple has to want it. Yeah, right. so we... Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know some of our background, so me and my wife were pastors at Free Methodist Church for three years, three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in that time, we, we kind of, we had finished the ordination process, but we didn't get to the actual, like, confirmation of ordination. And, got, and that church, because of financial reasons, mm-hmm. got turned over to another church, and we ended up taking a position outside of the Freemason Church. So we never actually got ordained, right? So now that we planted Tribe Church, we reached out and wondered if we could do that under the umbrella of the Free Methodist Church. And, and, and we were excited to find out, and I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before, I think I have. We were excited to find out that in the interim, and we've been gone, we knew that the superintendent of the Pacific Northwest Conference had been elected to then to now be a bishop. And so there was oh, wow. a new superintendent 
who we didn't know. Yeah. And we were excited to find out that, like, as he'd come in, he'd, he'd really kind of push the conference to begin to not only accept, but actually intentionally support these these alternative non-mainstream expressions wow. of church that's dope. home churches uh, 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 worshiping through various creative arts things that aren't the norm but are are still scriptural mm-hmm. um, and still spread the gospel right and so so we've jumped back into kind of <laughs> as we have tended to do in almost every process because we usually don't come in on the ground floor yeah we're usually somewhere in the middle so we kind of like back <laughs> jump our way into the middle of the process and everybody has to kind of figure out like w- how we work in the system right yeah so so we've been going back through and so part of that is that we have a we have a coach who's you know responsible for oh, that's ch- checking in on us praying for us and kind of leading us through the ordination process and the spiritual formation stuff and all that right so so we had a zoom call with with him and and uh, and we were talking about. I told all that story. And I'm I'm worrying that I'm going to forget why I brought it up in the first place. But we were <laughs> we were talking about um, we were talking about discipleship and church leaders being put on the pedestal and people wanting to be them because yeah. Jesus was talking about follow me and live sacrificially, love sacrificially. But when we are trying to disciple people and we conflate that uh, difference. To um to something else, we look at the person who is on stage and we want what they have. We right, want to be right. like them because of who they're around. Right. So now you guys know the backstory, and when it springs into my brain randomly, you just in a pop few it minutes. Up. Just 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 stop me <laughs> or stop yourself. And we'll just jump. Go. We'll jump back into it. But but I think the uh, the other so there, I think there's two more two more aspects of the question of church discipleship versus Christ discipleship that we can get into besides the fact that a lot of, like you say, a lot of church discipleship nowadays is about imitating a leader yeah. and, and being socialized into the culture of the church systems that are built to support the ministry that generally filters or right. primarily right. funnels through a singular or a small group of, of leaders. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is, uh, you know, the actual methodology of Christ discipleship versus church discipleship, and 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 what church discipleship for a, in a lot of places today is um, a small group, yeah, you know, for a couple hours once a week. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe your your church has like a discipleship one hundred and one, one hundred and two, mm-hmm. like six week courses or something that you walk through, where you kind of get taught the basics of like this is how you live as a Christian, and, yeah, and and a lot of the times, just like you said. Those discipleship courses include like, and here here's the culture of our church. Here's the they always do. right. So it's like this isn't do. actually discipling right. people into the right. image of Christ. It's discipling you into the image of a good attender of X Y Z church. Right. 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 Um, you have now been assimilated. You, you contrast that yeah. with Jesus. Jesus' discipleship was, I'm gonna eat, sleep, travel right. with these twelve guys. Yeah. 24 7 365 for the most part other mm-hmm. than when he would go alone away alone to pray uh for three for three years right and and as we see in the new testament he probably he didn't even really probably finish that and you see in his frustrations oftentimes yeah. he probably didn't feel like he he probably felt like he could have used even more time to kind of like <laughs> polish them up to maybe avoid some of the 
the the issues that yeah. then came out in the early church that, that so much of the rest of the New Testament is based still around, so right? Dull of mind. Yeah, exactly. So so there's a what, sig- there's a significant difference between not dis- not the the purpose or the aim of discipleship, but the yeah. actual methodology yeah. of it. Why? Because Jesus's method is messy. Yeah. It's hard. It requires a significant commitment, not just on the part of the discipler, but also the yeah. disciplee. That's right. Like we said, you have to have devotion. You have to des- you have to desire these things. No one should I have to be trying to get you to be passionate. I, that's what you were going towards because I said that uh, you don't call the disciple and say, hey, mm. are you ready to be a disciple now? Yeah. The disciple comes to you. That's how, and you see all these movies, where uh, the person who wants to learn Kung Fu goes to the master. Please teach me. You never see masters going out looking. For right. Hey, come, come be my student. Right. And then when they say yes, you don't see them calling them. Or the best students aren't right. the ones that the teacher has to call yeah. and say. If you, you don't show, if you don't show up, you're out. You're out. That's done. Like I'm not gonna. And that's so much of what I mean. You and I can attest yeah. to this, and I know that so many of the people we know can attest to it. I know that you listeners, if any of you are in leadership, you can attest to it. So much of what it means to be a pastor or a church yeah. leader today is about finding ways to motivate people to want to be like Christ. And I feel like we've already lost at that point. Yeah. Like at that point, we've already lost because I can't be the engine of someone's faith. That's right. And the Bible, That's why Paul the Bible said, says, "Follow me as I." Yeah, the, the Bible says, "Fan into flame." That's right, yeah, absolutely. But but there's nothing in the Bible about sparking a flame. In case you didn't know, you're why we do what we do at the Faith Chair. You're also the ones who make it possible for the Faith Chair to reach all around the world, and we want to thank you for that. And we want to continue to encourage you, if you enjoy these conversations and discussions, if you have been fed by them, challenged by them, uh, if they have helped you find more questions or answer questions that you had, we want to ask you like, subscribe, share, tell people about it, help us spread the word. We do it for you, and we hope that it's making a difference for you. And we thank you for listening to the Faith Trip. Enjoy the rest of this conversation. So if, if fan the one that already is there. Yeah, if the if right. your pastor and your leaders are sitting there and they got a whole forge and they're blowing on it with their teaching and with their invitations and with uh, you know all these different things, trying to get you mm-hmm. to have some passion for the things of the Lord, mm-hmm. but there's not even a, there's not even an ember there mm-hmm. to get heated up. See now uh, you're, you're, you're 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 messing you're, around. You're, you're, you're messing around. I mean there's. I can speak from personal experience. It zaps so much of your energy. And I think for for a lot of pastors, the reason why pastors struggle in ministry so much, the reason why that recent Barna poll Mm -hmm. shows that nearly 40% of pastors have or are seriously considering not leaving their church but leaving ministry altogether coming out of the last 24 months, I don't know that – I don't – I'd be interested to see what the difference was between... I'm sure it went up because of the pandemic, but I don't think it was probably that drastic. It's always been... I mean, the statistics on how long pastors last in ministry was always already dire mm-hmm. pre-pandemic. I think it was like three years or something like three that. Three five. So, it's like, oh, yeah. so we're, we're running backs in the NFL. Like, we go in for three years, get our bodies completely right. beat up, and then we have to quit. Like well, that That's essentially what happens, and a lot right. of that is pastors are trying so hard... 
to disciple to people, pull people in to pull people do, to God, right. and they're being met with so much indifference and lack of passion and apathy. That, I mean, I don't know. I got I two questions. I don't know how to. I don't know how to put it in a term that a non-leader would understand. If you're married, and this is actually probably a common scenario yeah. for a lot of people if they've been married for a little while. Uh, um, often it's couched in the terms of, of, of women with their husbands. So I'm going to say it that way, but I don't want you to take it as a blanket stereotype. We're not getting into that. We're going to get into sex and relationships next season around Valentine's Day. So right. I'm looking forward to that. Right. But like, you know, uh, 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 a woman, you know, you, you get a new outfit, you get your hair done, you get your nails, your makeup done, you, you do your face, you get all, you know, glammed up, dolled up for 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 a date night or maybe to try to spark mm-hmm. some some passion and intimacy from mm-hmm. your partner and they come home and you get nothing that same kind of like crushing emotional blow is what pastors are going through on a continual basis with a body of Christ that has no Multiple passion people. for the things of Christ they might have passion for serving cuz they there's people who love to serve or yeah. that we've embedded very strongly in Christians that part of being a Christian is serving. Mm-hmm. So they might have passion to serve in d- departments of the church. Yeah. But but it's funny how you can have a giant church with a giant uh, staff and, and tons of volunteers doing all these ministries. But when you call a, a, a church-wide prayer meeting, yeah. there's 12 people there. So here's my question. With uh, everything you ju- that you just said makes me think of this. What... Was it that made them do this in the first place then? Who? If the pastors. Oh, okay. Yeah. Something made you want to do it. And the reason why you stopped is because either that something that made you want to never was what you thought it was going to turn out to be. Or you didn't get what you thought you were going to get Yeah. from it. Yeah. Where, and that's my that's my first question. My second one is, why or how did the gospel of Jesus go from something that people were willing to die for that to, to something no one wants to die for now? To something that you can't even skip your home team you can't football even, game. You can't even, you don't want to come from. And even if you're at church, you're checking. Look, and look, I'm, look, I'm, I'm just can, saying. I'll confess right now, I've done it. I, and saying. I've been working on, like, do not pull out my phone and check right. ESPN in right. the middle of church. It has helped in this season of the Seahawks being terrible that I don't <sighs> feel as much desire to. <laughs> and they haven't had as many 10 a.m. Yeah. games this year either. But, you know, but your question is valid. I think going back to pastors, I think, I think, I know for myself and talking to a lot of young pastors is very much like young teachers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 really do they get saved and they're passionate about the things of God and they feel a call to to preach or to teach or disciple people yeah. and you know they're reading the scripture and they're seeing all the dynamic things that God did that the apostles uh, uh d- that God did through the apostles and and acts and all this stuff and and they I know for me this is true I, they dream of of being part of the spark that brings like that. brings that yeah. biblical church to life, mm-hmm. and they really believe that they can be a part of that because mm-hmm. they feel called by God, and they go to Bible college, and in Bible college alone they get chopped down to size. Right. 
Um, <laughs> that's what I've seen. That's what I, and that's what I've heard from people is then you got you get forced to learn all this technical stuff and you get told how to do things and how not to do things. And if you're a part of denomination, you get put even more restrictions on you. Yeah. And then they they kick you out into a church that you're ill prepared to lead. Yeah. And you come face to face with the realization that while you have this passionate dream, nobody else really cares. And all they want to know is, how are you going to make sure the budget's good? That's right. And how are you going to increase the number of people in the seats? Uh, I'm reading this book right now, and I don't remember the the name of the author. I had posted the the cover on Facebook, um, so I could probably look it up. But it's called Future Church. Yeah. The two... the, two the red yeah. with the two, and it's column. it's written by a guy who works in in uh, in church consulting and stuff like that. Used that to be last a statement was bananas. Yeah, he's got some. He, it's uh, I'll, I'll prefer if you want to pick up the book. I think there's there's some amazing nuggets and insight in there. It's not the funnest read, yeah. because he I, I it's just I think it's he tends to word things in a very kind of. A technical, um, oh, evaluative kind of you. terminology because he works. And that's what he, that's the so the it's more he scientific. In. It feels that way. Yeah. Uh, it just the wording is kind yeah. of what you would expect more from academia. Gotcha. Uh, not not fully like not like a science research paper, but not not like not like Andy Stanley right. or or you know he's not writing to C plus students. He's writing to, <laughs> he's writing to, to A plus students. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> And it's not that it's hard to understand or anything like that. Yeah. He it's just um, that's kind of what I noticed in reading it. But um, but he talks about how like the the church the the primary model of church in America is focused on the lower room, and the lower room is just like this is how you get this is how you attract people. It's how you get people in. It's it's very much the um, seeker the seeker friendly kind of model. Mm-hmm. Um, not entirely though, because it's also about keeping people. Yeah, but. But it's all about keeping people comfortable. Yeah. So it's all about the lower room is <sighs> is the lights and the coffee bar and the 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 swag bags for new visitors and the children's programming right. and and all the and different ministries. I, I didn't because I'm hating stuff. on that. I'm not hating on that. <laughs> no. I'm not hating and, on and, that and, you know, and he argues like the church. He believes I don't yeah. completely agree, but he believes that the future church needs to have both a healthy lower room. But needs to be intentional and successful at building the stairs to the upper room, which is where people encounter Christ likeness yeah. and their desire switches from a self gratification passion to a serving Christ passion and serving people passion. Right. And that those need to work in, in tandem, right? And so, well, you know, I, I think that's pastors pastors with all the passion and, and dreams in the world, they 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 run into the buzzsaw of the church industrial machine, yeah. which is about budgets and and placating angry elders and deacons and longtime members and big givers and um, filling the seats and Son. you know and and, and lower and, level stuff. And before you know it, you know it's the next Sunday, and you right. look back and you realize I I didn't disciple anybody right this week. There's a Going back to what you said about um, Future Church book, I thought about, um, and and I might have told you this before, but a lot of my life examples come from dog training and martial arts. I don't don't know why, but... I think our listeners might have picked up on that. (laughs) (laughs) But there's this dude that I used to... um, We never really trained together, but he trained at the school that I I trained and and taught at in New York. And... uh, he 
turned out later in life to be one of the fight choreographers, uh, coordinators for Blades 1 and 2. And um, he was also a filmmaker himself. And he was, uh, I think, an eighth or ninth Don in Aikido. And um, not Shotokan. It's a different uh, Japanese art. Ryu something. Anyway. That just, we were talking. That just translation. Ryu. He was super dope. Ryu. <laughs> Shoto. Anyway. Super dope. He was super dope. <laughs> so one day we were talking uh, after a kickboxing class. And um, and I was asking him about his early training and, you know, his teachers and stuff like that. Because he grew up in the Bronx. He was like, yeah, man. My school was nothing like this. It's like, what are you talking about? He was like, the way y'all do, like, it's cool, but you guys, you wear pads when you're sparring. Um, it's always light contact. It's about getting a trophy here, and we never cared about that. So he was Team Cobra. So so he was a cool dude, yeah. cool dude. So he was like, man, Cobra Kai. at our school, <laughs> at our school, um, our his instructor was this guy named Moses, uh, Professor Moses, and anybody from the martial arts world that's heavy in martial arts knows who professor moses is but this dude in harlem was like no joke he was no joke and so his school only had like at a given time 12 people yeah he like he wasn't in it to make money yeah he was in it to teach people how to survive and to help other people those people help other people to survive and teach them to do the same thing yeah. he was like our first class, we'd have people come in that I'd never seen before, and we'd start to spar, and they'd leave, never come back if they get a bloody nose from sparring. He said, but I'll see them ne- next week going to the Taekwondo school around the corner right. where everything is safe and everything is frou-frou. I was like, dang. And I, in that instance, I thought about the church. I thought about my life as a follower of Christ. Yeah. I was like, I yeah. have been a person that has wanted... The pads on. That's a great analogy. Yeah, God, give me the pads. I don't want. Yeah, we want we want Christ discipleship, right. but we want pads on. We, we want, want safety on. nets. We want which takes and, that, and all church of discipleship the, puts the pads on. Yeah, it takes all the edge <laughs> out of who Christ yep. really was. It takes all the radicalness yep. out of his teaching. Mm-hmm. It it takes it takes uh, uh, commands that he made. And you know things like the you know gouging out the eye and chopping off the hand, and we come well, up with rationalizations why he didn't really mean that. Right. And it's like he was like, no, well, I'm I, that serious. I think if you seriously <laughs> can't stop sinning, then he yeah. was serious about that. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> why is this so difficult? Because again, it's sacrificial. Do you want to be like me, or do you not? And I'm not border bordering on the um, the uh, extreme of some believers and some and some uh, uh, t- teachers of 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 scripture and you know like the rise of, rise and fall of Marcel not it's it's said many times how harsh uh, Mark Driscoll was that's not to say that the Jesus we're talking about is harsh like that it is to say that the Jesus we're talking about lived in a real world with yeah. real problems that he and was he not was trying intense. to shelter real people from. He was intense. He was intense. And he, and he there was telling were people, times, no. There were times when he was harsh about it, and not because, but it was like he was harsh not because he's trying to be mean, and I talk about right. this in the book. Right. That there's a, 
there's an intense side it's to an love intense, that we've lost in the church. It's an intense side, not a harsh side. Yeah. An intense because well, it was only, urgent. Yeah. And the only difference it's in an our urgency. conceptualization of harshness is is the intent. Right. I'm I'm harsh in a negative way if I'm trying to hurt you. Right. I'm harsh in a positive way if I'm trying to help you. Right. And, and he, some, he and was we all always know doing we're knuckleheads. Right. We all know we're hard-headed. We right. all know we make mistakes all the time. So to conceptualize of a, a spiritual journey where we're never going to have to face any harsh yeah. challenges or correction from 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 God, from yeah. the Jesus we see in Scripture, or from our leaders mm-hmm. is. It's ridiculous. We so you said we something. all you know said. that we're too hard headed yeah. for that. We know it ain't gonna work. If you don't know, ask your mama, and she right, will right, remind right. you why she had to beat your butt right. all them times when you were a kid. So here's my question. You just said something that made me think. When is it right for a person to put another person in a position for them to learn and grow? That only God should be doing that. So, like, you said uh, uh, the leader having to correct. There's a difference between correct- correcting and actually putting that person, because a lot of churches that I've gone to, the leaders, their mentality was actually, well, I have to be the one that makes sure yeah. you're mature enough. Yeah. So I'm going to put you through the paces, as it were, when it's really... The Holy Spirit that does that in our everyday life, if we let him, that's what that's how we become yeah. sacrificial like, lovers again, and livers. We have to look at how Jesus discipled. Yeah. And what he didn't do was he wasn't just continuously harsh yeah. with the disciples. Yeah. There were times when he was like, how much longer do I have to deal with you? That's and right. then there's times where like, well, you know what? You're permitted to know the secret. So I'm going to explain. Right, right, I'm not right, going right, to be right, mad right. at you that you didn't understand the parable. Right. But I'm going to, you get to hear that. You right. get to get the decoder ring. I'm going to tell you what right. it actually means. You found it they can box. continue to wonder because you guys are in the inner circle. Right. right. So it wasn't this continuous, like, I need to like toughen you, toughen right. you up. It, I, I talk about it in the book. I talk about this moment um, with... Because I talk about in love, right? Sometimes there has to be an oomph to the yeah. the love, an oomph to the correction, yeah. to to solidify it in our minds. Yeah. Um, and and I, I I recalled one of the the few moments when I require rem, uh, remember um, recollect I think is the word I was trying to look yeah. for. Uh, my father being really harsh. Yeah. And there was this one time, um, and I don't remember how old I was. I think I was like preteens, uh, maybe early teens. And we were sitting at the table, we were eating, and me and my sister were talking about something, probably something stupid, something about celebrities or mm-hmm. movies or something that would irritate my dad because he wasn't into, like, entertainment. He saw it all as a waste of time and everything. Yeah. Because um, <clears throat> he was, you know, strict and he came from the, that orthodox background and and all this kind of stuff. And so, uh, you know, he would often kind of get annoyed with our conversations. But this yeah. particular time, he, he just... He just lashed out and smacked my bowl of food yeah. off the table, splattering yeah, yeah. it all across the wall. Yeah. And it was just like, why do you guys only ever talk about stupid stuff? Yeah. And just like stormed off. And that, I'm not a crier. Yeah. 
that hit me so hard emotionally yeah. that I ran to my room and I cried because it was so out of character for yeah. him. It shocked all of us. He yeah. had never done anything like that before. Um, that might have been a, for some of my other older siblings, that might have been a flashback to him in his like alcoholic early days. Uh-huh. But we had never known that dad. Yeah. And so it, it, it's an indelible moment because of the oomph to it. Yeah. And But what I talk about in the book is, one, we have to be careful when we use the oomph. Yeah. Because even to this day, even though I don't feel the same way my dad does, when we're sitting, when I'm sitting around having conversations and we're just talking about pointless stuff, yeah. I start to get nervous. I, listen, listen. you have PTSD. Because, be, be, yeah, right. because that, got, that moment got programmed into my psyche, my That's subconscious. Right. That's right. And it's not even that I feel that. And so we have to, there's two things. We have to be careful what we stamp into people's hearts. Yeah. So we have That's to be good. mindful, as Jesus was, to be intentional about our oomph, mm-hmm. not just lash out because we're tired, yeah. we're frustrated, we don't want to deal right. with them, whatever, because you do not know what you might be programming in, mm-hmm. into those people's hearts and minds. Right. The second thing is, is if that was what my dad always did, it would have had no effect. Right. So that's the other part, is if we're always harsh, it ceases to have any impact. Right. So... The harshness for correction, because remember, yeah, the Bible, right, I mean, the Bible says scripture is useful for teaching and rebuke, mm-hmm. reproof. Mm-hmm. I'm correcting you. I'm mm-hmm. telling you you're wrong and yeah. you need to shift to this. Yeah. Right. And that is always going to have a harsh element to it because I have to tell you you're wrong mm-hmm. and I have to challenge you to do different, to be better. Right. And so, but that has to be like, it has to be intentional and only used at certain moments in important moments, and you better be sure that you're right yeah. because you can program something into someone that will go the rest of their life with right. them. It's you're basically, and they may not even ever rem- giving them PTSD. They may never even uh, be able to identify what it is yeah. that 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 controls them in that particular yeah. area. But it was that moment, right? Yeah. And so, but the leaders do had that this point. But leaders do that from a position of. Uh, we were talking about this yesterday, Mariah and I. I'm a leader because I'm right. I'm a leader because I know what to do. Yeah. So when I correct you, yeah. no matter how I do it, it was right. Yeah. I'm I'm and, smarter than and you. And that's not right. I went to Bible college. You right. didn't. I have an MDiv from Harvard. That ain't right. And, and it's like none of that matters. That's right. None You're, of that, you none are still of that mattered to, to, to Jesus. None mm-hmm. of that mattered to him in picking his disciples. Mm-hmm. And if, And again, in fact, and this is one of the reasons why I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think that, I think that there is some some benefits to be had in terms of Bible college and formal mm-hmm. education, but I I feel like what I see hap- happening to people who do it is that there's actually a lot more negative that comes from it. It's a whole and lot. That, I feel that's the same part way. of it. Is like why do we even feel like people need to have these degrees? It's why does the bro. church will only and it's like you <laughs> automatically become something and someone put on a pedestal and you you are. Again, whether you intend it mm-hmm. or not, your mm-hmm. mindset and the mindset of everyone around you is that you know more about God and Scripture than they do. And and somehow you're closer to Him. Yeah. But I feel like it puts pads on people. Here's your pad. Because what do we do with knowledge? It, we, we puff our own self up. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, um, I was with a guy recently who is uh, who's going to school right now to get his master's in divinity. And again, not throwing shade at all, but you got to look at the reason and the point. What is the point? If you just want to know more, read, study, do history. Why go to school for it? Because you come out with something that's always going to be in the back of your mind of, I know more. I went to school for this. I went to school for this. And and again, like I said, like beyond like 
may, maybe a, a semester long course in yeah. proper exegesis. Right. Maybe some courses to help you understand yeah. how to study Greek and Aramaic. Um, you know, some basic, you know, some basic stuff. Some so you basic know what you're theology doing, you're looking, stuff. Right. But then when it's talking about like, oh, well, I know, you know, the geography of Israel and I know, you know, first of all, again, it's slightly outdated because all of that is at the tip of our fingertips anyway. Yeah. Um, we can find all that history. <laughs> we can, we can, anytime we want. We Google can has done a number up. on and, seminary. Yeah, right. <laughs> And uh, not just not just Google, but even yeah. just the actual. And YouTube. again, if you want it, to, if you need to study, you can find the books. Right. Like you don't have to go to school for that um, type of type of thing. And and again, yeah, you can learn as a student, yeah. devoted to to learning, passionate about pursuing God, without the the stumbling block of of a degree that that places you on a level above people who don't have a degree. You know what the other problem with that is? And again, not to on shade, but if you let yourself be controlled by the fact that you went to college for uh, theology and you got your master's um, in divinity, if you let yourself be controlled by that and moved by that, that's the rudder of your ship. Then the, the other problem with that is uh, your real life application of that mm-hmm. is very it's little to none yeah because you're operating off of what you know instead of letting what you know change you putting it into application so that you can be transformed yeah. and help because and i was thinking about this earlier when you were talking about it the 97 things that jesus talked about and the things that he practiced and the the, the things that the disciples were devoting themselves to it's again like martial arts we break down each move each position, each position, so that new uh, first timers, newcomers to mm-hmm. the art, understand how to move their bodies. When it comes time, and the same thing in music, we break down the scales very slow. We tell people you can't do it fast if you can't do it slow. Yeah. So these steps are in place so that when it comes time to do it in real life, we don't have to say, "Okay, what's what's step number one?" No, because the overarching, the end result is love. All those steps are in place so that we can know how to love better. Yeah, You shouldn't have to tell somebody in a fight. This is what I always tell people um, who get in martial arts. Don't pick this particular martial art because you have to stay in it for a certain number of years before all these steps become second nature. Mm. Right? And a lot of times in the world we're living in now, you never know if you might have to use it the very next day. You mm. know what I'm saying? So... Uh, you don't have time to say, hold on a second, let me get in my stance. Right. No. That's like... like uh, Robin Hood, many tights. Right. One, one second. second, bad guys. I am running out of air. And right. he bumps his shoes up. Right? Time out, bad guys. Like That's, there's that's no, there's it. No, like, wait, that's it. Wait, wait, devil. I'm not ready. That's Give it. me a second. To, now, like, how do I exegete this so that I can command you to get away from me how do i exegete right. this so that i so that i know what to do with my son who's wayward it, it, or my rem- daughter's it reminds me no. of uh, um it reminds me of uh goodwill hunting yeah um if you guys haven't seen it uh matt damon ben affleck and it's about matt damon's like this this mathematical genius um but he's like he's like a no education um yeah uh, hoodlum from yep, from yep. south from south uh, was it Boston Boston yeah Southie Boston and and uh, he gets discovered by this professor where he's a janitor at, at MIT or whatever it was and and all this kind of stuff and and I remember one of the conversations they talk about that there's some and I don't remember his name but it's some famous person uh, in history and mathematics yeah who was like 
like a farm boy in India mm-hmm. and 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 created this like theorem or something that is like huge in wow. physics and mathematics wow. with no formal training. Wow. And 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 that's the thing that we have to and, and it's so funny because like we get so obsessed with this like formal education and having a a, a degree or a, a, a master's or yeah. a PhD yeah. and all this kind of stuff so that we can be esteemed and accepted by people in the church and it's like and some child will come up and blow somebody away with yeah. with, with a piece of wisdom. Yeah. Because God says in the Bible that I I take the high things, the wise things, the to powerful confuse. things and it's nothing. Confuse and I take you. the wise and the and that's what he did with the disciples and here yeah. we are we're trying and, and uh, you know that was one idea that I once had for a book was was it was going to be titled Pharisee Church. <laughs> and we're going to talk about how like essentially we've built a church full of Pharisees. True. Where it's That's all about it's all about your heritage, it's uh-huh. all about your lineage, mm-hmm. it's all about your education, mm-hmm. it's all about how much money you have, it's all yeah. about how much you how good you follow the rules, mm-hmm. and it's nothing about like the true point of of scripture or God's heart or salvation or being Christ like being like Jesus um, and and recognizing that the simplest least educated person who has an authentic relationship with God and the Holy Spirit yeah can bring forth wisdom that will shake the earth yeah. that no person with a degree would ever be able to see yeah. or hear. Because that person, the difference between a church disciple person and a Christ disciple person is letting the, yes. and I heard this years ago, is letting the information plus the application of that information transform their life Yeah. so that they can yeah. now help transform other right. people's lives. Application led by the Holy Spirit right. and not by the wisdom of That's man. That's right. Right. And, and and that's that's that is really the key difference is is this church discipleship is a discipleship based upon man, right. and discipleship in Christ there is about is. becoming like Christ, which that can only happen with the Holy Spirit, right? So so yeah, so and me- people can a person like Paul said, if you're following him as he is following Christ, if you're following that person as they're following Christ and not just following them then I believe you are being led by the Holy Spirit yeah. because the Holy Spirit is saying, ah, that's what I wanted them to do. Right. But this is what I want you to do. Right, right. And you're following them essentially because you're they are following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Right. In turn, you are following the leading. I am right. following the leading of the Holy right. Spirit. And that's what, if, if anything, that's what I want my kids to get. Yeah. Don't be like daddy. Be like me as I'm following Christ, yeah. which means in this moment, what would daddy do? Oh, he would pray. Yeah. And then what would he do? He would let the Holy Spirit tell him, and then he would yeah. follow that. Yeah. And it's, that's I, I think it's a great picture, too. Like, um, church discipleship yeah. will always create clones. Christ discipleship. <laughs> Christ discipleship. You could you could follow me as I follow there Christ, and you will end up going a completely different direction than me. Thank you. Because God has called you to do something, and I simply model Thank how you. to be close to Christ and attentive to the Thank Holy Spirit. You. And He might lead you to be and to do something completely different from me, and you're still following me as I follow Christ, even though you're doing something totally different than me. That's that's real discipleship. All right, you just went ahead and broke the sacred vase. <laughs> All right, so we Clones, talked about we talked clones. about form. We talked ah. about methodology. The third part, the third distinction I wanted to point out was in purpose, which we mentioned a little yeah. bit before. But I want to I want to get a little bit more into it because I think I think there's a more generic form of church discipleship that's happening more commonly than even be like your leader. Yeah, it's it's 
It's be a good participant in church. Yeah. That's ultimately what Church Discipleship talk, talks about. And that was something that we Don't discussed on our, our Zoom call with our coach. That was something that we've talked about in some of our uh, Zoom uh, ongoing spiritual formation and pastoral Zooms with, with our superintendent um, in the Pacific Northwest Conference of like church discipleship typically looks like toe the line. Get you to come to church. That's right. Once at church, uh, through the sermon or invitation or possibly relationship, the worship, the spirit of God, whatever. Lots of different people have different methodologies about how someone gets saved. Yeah. But let, they give their life to Christ uh, is the point, right? Uh, you get someone to come to your church. You don't go to them. You get them to come to your church. Then they get saved. And immediately after they get saved, we want to get them to what? Come every Sunday. And we want to get them to... Uh, serve in, in, in at least one ministry and some churches they might want you to be involved in some small group although yeah. that's usually formulated in terms of making sure you stay around yeah. and then fourth they want you to give mm-hmm. if you're doing those three to four things your goal then you are a healthy Christian mm-hmm. you are a disciple of Christ What you really are is you're a disciple of that church, of, XYZ Church, of you know Westlake Baptist, and and forgive me if there actually is a Westlake Baptist somewhere. And, I'm not, I don't know of that church. So I'm not pointing you out particularly. <laughs> I was just creating a name off the top of my head. You were safer when you said XYZ Church. I, uh, yeah, okay, unless there's somebody yeah, that has yeah, that name. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> so yeah, we'll just go with XYZ. Church. No, but you're a hundred percent right. That is, it's like, and then if that person asks a question that's out of the norm. Like yeah. they stop going uh, downstream with the rest of the fish, yeah. and decide to turn around and swim upstream. Yeah, then they're out of line. Yeah, then there's, then there's no, there's no, in church discipleship, there's no. How are you becoming more like Christ? That's right. Are are you struggling with gentleness? Are you That's struggling right. with kindness? Are, are are you seeing the fruits of the spirit right. grow in your life? How are your relationships? Is there a lot of tension? Is there brokenness? Is there yeah. anger there? Is there hurt? Is there unforgiveness? Uh, um, that might have been what I was thinking of earlier, but maybe not. But one of the things that, um, so in in Wesleyan tradition, yeah, um, you had, um, and I always forget, you had societies, which was like the local church. Yeah, you had something smaller than that, which is what we would call like a small group, and then you had what they called bands. Which was like two to three people, mm-hmm. and that was your that was your real discipleship group. That wow. was your that was your confess your sins one to another, your accountability group, right? And 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 there's a movement wow. um, right now within within the PNWC, within Free Methodist, within Wesleyan tradition, to to recognizing that that's the piece we walked away from because that's the hard piece, that's the messy piece, that's the Christ like discipleship piece that yeah. nobody wants to do. Right, and we're trying to get back to it because we realize that's actually the engine of, of, of Christ's discipleship. Yeah, and without it, it doesn't really the, the discipleship doesn't really happen. But he was uh, uh, our coach was saying uh, he he heard um, from another pastor friend of his who had a church where they you know they were doing this these bands 
um, intentionally and everything. And, uh, you know, they often have, like, a set of questions mm-hmm. that they ask each time to check in with each other and make sure that the time is spent intentionally. And he said there was one guy he talked to me, and he's like, we always end our our band meetings with this question. How have you lied to me today? Whoa. And I was like, whoa. whoa. So, like, I'm, re- I'm, I'm like, okay, whatever you shared, however deep it was, that's great. What did you hold back from your brother today? Woo. What is this thing you, you didn't want to tell me? How have Woo. you lied to me today? I was like, I was like, dang, that's that's intense. That wow. would be intense for that to be a regular like small group meeting question. And of course, you couldn't ask that in a group of twenty people for sure. But you can when it's the two to three people who that's you're right. committed to, right? One fifty twelve. Three. Yeah, that's essentially yeah. yeah that's essentially that's how, what a lot how of John wonderful. Wesley conceptualized yeah. it. And you know what? You, you uh, talk about science, harshness. Science says the same thing. One, you can yeah. only be, uh, your core group of people cannot extend past 150. Like without us mentally having starting to have oh, breakdowns. Yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, lower than that Which, would be the, the exceptionally well-developed social person to be able to handle. Like your Facebook page, 150 people is the most reasonable. And I think we're all that that's probably the, know. Yeah, that, and that's probably you true. Know like how, like yeah, well, how many of the, your t- two thousand friends do you actually interact right. with on a regular basis? It'd probably be like right. hundred, right? And when you talk about harshness, John Wesley. Right, and again, those of you who don't know the history, John Wesley didn't intend to start Methodism or Free Methodism. Uh, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a way of living in Christlikeness <laughs> right. that he thought was useful for for the entire Christian church. And there were people who took that idea and created denominations out of it, which he was not in it favor of. It was the pedestal thing um, we talked about earlier. But yeah, but he would actually the, his guidance to the churches was you had to show up mm-hmm. to church like sunday church your society meeting mm-hmm. with a note or a card or something i don't know what it was exactly back then i think it was like a note that said that you had attended your band meeting that week and if you didn't have that you didn't get to come to church wow because they recognize again they recognized the band was where the discipleship really happened and if you're skipping that to just yeah. come to the the event so you can hide the social gathering right. the you know that where we do more surface stuff yeah by necessity because there are more people you yeah. can't get into the same kind of depth yeah then 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 you don't need to be a part of this because you're not committed to being a disciple of christ and people no. were like oh my god you turn people away yeah it seems harsh but what what was his goal was his goal to hurt people was his goal to kick people out of church no his goal was to say it's the most important thing is that you are becoming like Christ. Yeah. Not that you're attending the society every week. Yeah. Not that you're coming here because your friends do. Yeah. The most important thing is that you are becoming a disciple of Christ, and that cannot happen if you are not meeting with this small group of people where you are honest about your struggles, right. being prayed for so that you can receive healing, like the scripture says, mm-hmm. confessing your sins and being and discipling each other yeah. in Christ likeness. That's harsh. But that's the kind of standard that I think the church needs to get back to. That's the that's the strong love yeah. the church needs to rediscover if we're really going to begin to shift from church discipleship, which I think is ninety percent of the time, yeah. to actual Christ discipleship. And that and uh, and contrast, um, as you heard on the rise and fall of <coughs> Mars Hill, they emphasized. Share like telling your sin the first meeting, like the first um, small group meeting that you ever attend of like six 
six, eight people. Just yeah. be like, yes, I was molested, or I molest people, or I cheated on my wife, or I cheated on my husband. I'm addicted to pornography. I'm an alcoholic. Like in the first, in the first thing, but and that was, um, very traumatic, for people, who were just coming into a church setting, and then the very next thing was now you got to be in a group, yeah. And then your first, the first thing you got you do, is you have to, and they have a name for it. I can't remember what it was, but that's when, uh, bands go wrong. Because mm. I'm I'm 100% for transparency and vulnerability. I don't think we can be leaders without it. I don't think we can be Christ followers mm. without vulnerability and transparency. But I do think as leaders, again, we need to steward what that looks like well in a way that people do not have pads on, like yeah. in Taekwondo, uh, in the earlier example. But at the same time, because what are we doing if we're not teaching people as leaders to actually get in the ring. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, life is our ring. And if I'm constantly giving you pads, you'll never know how to take a hit. Yeah. You never know how to teach someone yeah. else how yeah. to take a hit. Yeah. And we can't do that. You can't get in the ring unless you're willing to be open and transparent. Right. You know right. what I'm saying? So yeah. we as leaders have to help help the people that are coming and listening to us have to help them move in that direction yeah. of being people who can take life, take what life throws at them and not and and not facilitate or, or enable them to stay in a position of being people who just um who are entertained. Yeah. I think that's what you or some I saw somebody mention that on Facebook the other day. Yeah, you're talking like about entertainment, that last sh- quote. entertainment yeah, ship. He said he said he was uh, the writer of that book was yeah. quoting someone else. Who uh, had said if <clears throat> if seventy percent of your uh, time, resources, and effort, I think it was the three, oh, yeah, uh, go into Sunday morning service, then are you a church or are you just a production company? Bruh, I I feel like it's a production company, and we're feeding the people what they want, and they want to be entertained. Right. They don't want to grow. And they, it's it's they, like <laughs> um um. Uh, I didn't want to grow. <laughs> Pastor Jared, right, right. we had on earlier to talk about virtual church. And he's like, I'm discipling more people now than I ever did when I was a pastor yeah. of a traditional church. Yeah. Because all of that stuff and the making Sunday morning happen yeah. and and the and the budget and the staff meetings and the, all the or administrative stuff and the organizational stuff and the 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 producing the events and yeah. all that and then you wake up and you look around and you're like, I had. I haven't even sat down and talked with a single person individually about their walk with Christ in my church this week. And I shouldn't be. That's another thing that happened in Mars Hill. It happens at a lot of large churches. Is that the pastor and and the a lot of the leadership team, the ones that are higher up, are completely untouchable. Yeah. Nobody can and they talk don't, to them. They don't even engage in the they normal day-to-day right. stuff. And, and I like, think that's what? I think that's the key when we're talking about like how do we make that shift, right? Yeah. Is that when I know this to be true because because the research and what it tells us about the state of pastors proves that it's true. Yeah. Is that you have a bunch of pastors and leaders in the church today who whether they're doing it intentionally or not or or how how they're doing it or what they're discipling people into, whatever it is, their discipleship efforts um 
are are not going to be effective in the in the follow me as I follow Christ because yeah. they're not disciples. Yeah. So so we talked we talked about how like something close to eighty to ninety percent of pastors do not regularly practice a Sabbath, and are, are and, and therefore are in unrepented sin Just and going 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 and, going and um, rebellion against God in violation of the fourth commandment. Uh, we know that pastors uh, largely have dysfunction in their families, mm-hmm. which is actually one of the qualifications that, of, of being a deacon or elder in the church, <laughs> of being a leader in the church, is actually to have a house in uh-huh. order. And so you have broken, failing marriages. You have messed up. P- There's a reason why PKs are a punchline in the church. It's not all made up. It's not all laugh, ha, ha. It's actual reality. This is actually the state of so yeah. many pastors' kids, um, because of all the dysfunction. So, like, pastors are not disciples. They're not being discipled. They're not Ew. pursuing uh, uh, discipleship in their own life. Wow. So, how can you possibly say wow. to somebody, "Follow me as I follow Christ"? Wow. Okay, let me see how you're following Christ. Uh, you don't be- obey his commandments. You're stressed out. Wow. You worry all the time. You actually don't even want to be in ministry anymore. Y- y- you barely talk to your wife. Your kids hate you, and they hate the ministry. Like, what am I following? You're not following Christ. I can't follow you. And yet, Whoa. because of the system, I am following you. Right. So then it. Right. So let's continue to look at, at statistics. We know that presently. We have an equal to or greater divorce rate in the church than mm-hmm. we do in the world. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. why is that? Because I'm following my pastor as he follows whatever it is he's following and has brokenness in his family and marriage. So, of course, I'm going to end up Dang. with brokenness in, in my family and marriage. So, uh, all of the, like, the pastors have, we have to be disciples. Yeah. We have to be the, and again, like I said, we have to, if we want to lead people to to Christ. Yeah. If we want them to follow us as we follow Christ, if they if we want them to model the walk with God that we have, so that mm-hmm. they can find their purpose and, and grow into the image of Christ's likeness in, in them in themselves and become all that God has created them to be, then we have to be devoted to yeah. the apostles' teaching. We have to be devoted to fellowship. We have to be devoted to prayer. We have to have that intense focus, passionate passion and pursuit, desire for the things of God. Um, and if we're not doing those things, then then th- then we can't disciple other people. And that's the problem is we have a we have a bunch we have a bunch of people who are not disciples trying to disciple people. Oh my god. So of course it's going to it's wow. going to degrade into right. just be like me. Yeah. Because they don't have anywhere to lead you. Yeah. The only thing they can lead you into is knowledge that they got at Bible <laughs> college, but they're not following Christ, so they can't lead you into a life of following Christ. And thus the culture is created. Yeah. But we have to do church, <laughs> and we have to talk about discipleship. Right, so then right. it goes from Christ right. discipleship right. to church discipleship, and that way we can still, even in our dysfunction and our we brokenness and our in our absolute lack of following Christ in any real shape, way, or form, mm-hmm. um, we can look at attendance, service, and giving, yeah. and convince ourselves that we are discipling people.
guys. I hope. Uh, I like your last line. How can we disciple when we are not disciples? Uh, yeah, that that pretty much that sums it up. Um, I hope you guys got a lot out of this, and I hope again, as with all of these, that uh, if you are in a faith-based community, that you bring these conversations up, have these conversations, ask these questions, take closer looks um, into the situation that you are currently in. Uh, because at at face value, we are all... I was thinking about this the other day, that uh, I don't even know, it must have been a TV show, but that line from um, the Old Testament where Cain, the Cain and Abel, he says, am, am I my brother's keeper now? Yes, we are. We are our brother and sister's keeper. So ask these questions. Take closer looks into these situations because we are each other's keepers. And um, that's what love does. That's what Christ does. That's Christ-like discipleship. When we hate looking out for each other. I don't want you to go down this road. And we can't keep each other from doing that. But at least bringing it up and letting them know that, hey, I see what road you're going down. I don't want you to go down that road. Can I help you? And if it's a pastor and you're having this conversation with them and they're like, nope, I got it, then you might want to reconsider staying there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, but keep praying for them because, again, that is your brother. That's your sister. They need your prayers. They need your support in that way. Um, and don't ever stop loving them. Uh, and definitely don't talk about them. Yeah. That's, that's, not, that's not the way to go. Yeah, that's not the way to go. You gotta, you yeah, harshness in love. Yeah, confronting things in love, correcting in love, has to be done to the person. It can't be done around the person. Not on social media, you know. Um, and we might have said this before, but I want to say it again. As we're still listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, I can't help but um, think about when I hear these stories about what has been done there think about myself and be like, oh my God, we said this before, that could have easily have been me. I could have easily been in the situation that Mark Driscoll was in and some of these other pastors there at um, at Mars Hill and pastors at Willow Creek and Hillsong, New York and other other communities. And, I could have and easily we, and been we have been. We, we we've have, we've oh talked about how we've both been in seasons where uh, power dynamics yeah. and idolization of leaders yeah. caused us to keep our mouth shut about stuff that we knew was not right. That's right. Um, caused us to hide sin in our mm-hmm. own lives and not share it with with brothers and sisters for fear of judgment and yeah. disqualification and and all the mess that comes with with church structures structures that don't have anything to do with scripture. Yeah. Right? Um, so we've been there. We've done that. We know this is a part of the human condition. And yeah. Leaders are especially vulnerable to it. Especially, especially vulnerable. We we have to watch out extra. Yeah. We have to be extra vigilant about it. Being extra vigilant also means having a band. You got to have a band. Who's who's talking to you? Who are you letting talk to you? Not a worship band. Right, not a worship band. We're talking about a rock band. Or sisters. (laughs) Um, that is right. that is one of the key components of bands. It should be gender specific. Specific, yes. 
Which it, it uh, we'll talk about a little bit of that next season with relationships yeah. about yeah. how it can be dangerous, especially if you're married, to have close relationships for sure, opposite genders. But for uh, sure, I was thinking about um, I think last episode we talked about um, in terms of the cultures of power dynamics mm-hmm. and how we as pastors can can help dismantle those uh, to bring about healthier cultures in our church. Um, and I think I think this discipleship component um, and the, and talking about people being on pedestals um, uh, applies to that as well. Is yeah. that you know? And this is one of the beautiful things. And that was what I was trying to think of with that conversation. Here we were talking about with our coach about our strengths and weaknesses in ministry. And, yeah. and I've always been upfront. I've shared many times on the podcast. My primary struggle is is pride. Mm-hmm. And so we were talking about how one of the ways in terms of tribe church. That, that I've been intentionally trying to formulate it is that we are a cooperative discipleship yeah. community. And in yeah. that I am not the the I may facilitate and help organize and direct and help to bring some vision, but I, yeah. I'm not the talking head. Yeah. I'm not the only voice. Uh, everyone's voice and opinion and insight and revelation and pain and hurt and background mm-hmm. and history and other ideas are all valid. Because if I tell you what to think and you don't agree with right. me, no, neither you or I get changed. But if we can discuss it as equals, wow. we can hopefully help each other come to a more uh, Christ-like and biblically founded um, belief system or Result, answer. Right. right. And so, you know, I, I would invite pastors to take yourself off the pedestal. Uh, allow lay people in your church. It's one of the great things about Free Methodists. Um, one of the frees in Free Methodist is freedom of the tyranny of clergy. Ooh. And so their polity, their mm-hmm. their structure, mm-hmm. organizational structure, always includes lay people. Wow. Um, and so you have a you have an assigned pastor who's responsible to the conference for the church, but there's also a, a those there's always a, a, a lay delegate. Yeah. And so if someone has an issue that they can't go to you, maybe because it involves you, they can go to the delegate who can communicate with the conference. The very healthy structure, right? But even in the sense of like allowing lay people to to, to preach sometime, allow lay people to uh, come up with questions for the small groups or to to lead a discipleship group. Um, uh, people who don't necessarily have the converse, the 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 training or the uh, education, but mm-hmm. just like Jesus recognized the call and the gift in in disciples that no one else would have chosen. Uh, we have that. That's part of Christ's discipleship for us as leaders. And I think uh, one of the ways, and much, in, and I keep referring back to critical race theory mm-hmm, and racial mm-hmm. reconciliation, because I think the conversations are the same. Because what we're talking about is is broken systems that yeah. need to be dismantled. So how do how is one of the ways that we do that in the church in terms of racial reconciliation is white pastors stepping aside and allowing black and brown voices to have a place at the table Bruh. to speak on Sunday, to Bruh. lead things to, because in doing that in, in the free Methodist church, we're working towards doing the same thing with women. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The free Methodists have always believed in ordaining women, but have not really been great about affirmatively, um, producing that by yeah. supporting women who feel called to ministry and giving them important moments and platforms to communicate to the church as a whole that yeah. this is valid and and, and valuable and important. That's and so um, as as pastors and as leaders, part of the way we can be better in building a culture of discipleship 
of Christ discipleship is to take ourselves off the pedestal by allowing other people to go up there every once in a while. And suddenly that pedestal stops being a mile high right. and starts to come down. That's right. I want, some of the things I love that they do at Rainer Avenue Church, where my wife and I are, have just recently joined the staff part-time, is um, you know they sing songs in multiple languages. Mm-hmm. You know, One Sunday it'll be Swahili, another Sunday it'll be Spanish, another Sunday it'll be Korean. That's so tight. Um, and then they, they always, before every service, whatever the key passage that the pastor is going to be preaching on, they have a, the scripture reading for that in English and one other foreign language. Mm. Um, and there's different people every week. So they're involving the congregation, giving them voices in places at the table. Um, the uh, That's the only way to do it. Even the worship, the worship team, the way it's set up is there's not a person in the spotlight who's the worship leader and everyone else is accompanying it's it's that. very much like they're all at, at a round table. I love that. Um, they're all that. equal, and they each take turns. And, and the the worship director, previous to uh, to my wife taking over for her, because she's stepping out for uh, some some cool stuff happening in her family. Um, she's usually on the keyboard on the side of the platform, not in the front. Doesn't even have that's right. Doesn't even have gray stage lighting. That's right. <laughs> so no one who doesn't know would even probably recognize that she was the leader. That's dope. Because the, the background vocalists are the ones who are staying in the middle oftentimes. And, and, uh, so just, these are, these are ways we can change culture. Uh, like we talked about, because whether you want it to or not, the current formulation of church creates the power imbalances, there it is. Yep. which creates mm-hmm. problems with discipleship mm-hmm. where you become the object of, of devotion That's instead right. of Christ, mm-hmm. um, regardless of what you want to happen because of how we formulate our services and our organizational structure and our our staff leadership and all of that. And so bringing things into more equality is always messier, which is why people don't like to do it, but it's also usually more Christ-like and it's more biblical. And it, and it helps us keep Jesus as the goal yeah. because no one else is so high up and beyond me that I would that I would ever even decide to esteem them and well, put them in I like in what that. you said about the round it's the round table. Yeah, I, that's. I feel like that's the first time I've heard that in this. Do context, not think more highly still, than you ought. Serve it. one another. That's it. All that I mean, the Bible continuously talks about that humility and serving one yeah. another and loving each other well, and and being one right. in unity, which means that we are all equal, submitting though we are different to one another. Yes, out of the fear to one of another. the Lord. Uh, not to one. Right. People cut off the another and just right. say submit to one. It's like, no, there's to one another, which means your pastor should be submitted to you and you should be submitted Uh-oh. to the deacon and the deacon should be submitted Uh-oh. to to the children's pastor who should be Uh-oh. submitted to Bruh. to the seven-year-old who has a relationship with God. And we're all submitted to one another, which means we all have voices at the table, which allows us to be in unity. That's the And the equality reduces. Reduces the mm-hmm. urge and tendency to to elevate anyone and make them the object of That's our right. discipleship, which means that in our desire to be like someone, the focus will stay on Christ like That's it's right. supposed to. And so the, these are, these are actually very simple things that we can do. I was do about to say those are hugely s- practical. That's right. Significant That's impacts right. on the culture of the That's church. Right. Very very practical um, steps people can take right now. Um, they're practical, but they're hard. Because if you're a person or uh, that is in a community that has done that, the opposite of that, uh, you are a pastor who has done the opposite of, of those things that Jesse just mentioned. 
this is gonna be difficult. Yeah. And um, if you're if you're a congregant, if you're yeah. on a board, if you're a tither to your church, please do not have the attitude that if your pastor's not preaching every Sunday, he's not earning his paycheck. Because your pastor's job is not to preach. Your pastor's job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. So if your pastor chooses to step back and allow other people in his church to preach a lot, uh, somebody we've heard on the podcast before, uh, Pastor Michael Thomas, Thomas does a great job of that. He has a whole preaching team, and he ta- and he uses that to be mm-hmm. healthy by taking a lot of time off and, and spaces for Sabbath yeah. and allows the other gifted people and called people in his church to preach. He doesn't have to be the only voice. Um, I cannot tell you. But, but so much of that comes from the church that. culture because they'll be right. like, well, we pay you $60,000 a year, but you, right. what are you doing if you're not preaching? Uh, I'm teaching other people how to preach because I'm discipling people and I'm fulfilling my ultimate mission, which is equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Right. I think more pastors should so say, Come for me. <laughs> or that. Or that. Come for me. I was going to say. Because I'm a nine. I was uh, going to say. Something or another and whatever that martial they art need was. To say, they need to say, because uh, I'm teaching other people how to preach, bruh. But come <laughs> for me is better. So come for me. I like it. Yo, uh, again, I hope, I hope y'all got something out of this. This is. Again, I can't say it enough. Hugely practical. And um uh you're not alone. You don't have to do this by yourself. I, I, the Holy Spirit is Holy Spirit is with you and you have brothers and sisters that are with you. So you think people want to continue to be hurt and stepped on and be in a harsh environment? No, they don't want that. Um so and that's not what Jesus uh that's not what God sent Jesus for. Mm. Um so man. I feel like I feel like if this episode and last episode were the only two episodes anyone ever listened to, yeah. I feel like these two episodes would have the most significant impact. impact on the culture and life of the church at large, because it's kind of like it's kind of like the two commandments. Like yeah. Jesus knew if you just get these two right, all the rest of the stuff in yeah. the commandments is is gonna fall into place. And I feel like if we can stay focused on leading people towards Christ. With an understanding of what that actually means and who he is and what he yeah. taught, and and do the work clones. to dismantle the structures of power imbalance right. um, that will also help to destroy the cultures of abuse in the church. If those two things could happen on a right. large scale, I mean, it would transform the church in 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 America and beyond. Um, and all that other stuff that we talk about, all these other things that we talk about in the episodes, you know, racism and, and money and, and all this different kind of stuff that we talk about, all of that would probably, if not completely fix itself, it, come way closer yeah. to the yeah. to a place of, of um, reconciliation. So We'd be closer to the medium. I, yeah. I encourage you guys to, to, to share this episode and the episode about cultures of abuse. Um, with pastors, leaders, churches, friends, believers, um, people who have been hurt and walked away from the church and maybe need to heal, yeah. whatever. I, I just, I, you know, that just, I, f- I feel that from the Holy Spirit. I feel really strongly that these last couple episodes have um, have a particular um, anointing on them. They're for, definitely for, for an opportunity for an apropos, big right. change. Yeah, you said at the beginning, God is. Putting people in place who are, he know he can trust to voice what's happening in this uncovering. He knows this he season of, of of uncovering, right? Yeah, and um, that's what's happening. 
uh, we are a couple of people who God is using to voice what's what's happening and help people put to words what they've been feeling yeah. um, and encourage conversations in in that vein encouraging this conversation if you guys have any questions any comments any topic ideas um, especially questions pertaining to what we just spoke about church discipleship versus Christ like discipleship you have personal experiences you want to share um, where can and music if you have original music if you have all those things um, we have a place for you to send them and where can they send them yeah you guys can send them to faithchairpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also connect with us, message us, comment on um, any of the social media at the Faith Chair on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. And uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, continue to get some more original music for next season. Right. Um, if you have topic ideas uh, for next season, because um, we're going to be taking a break here for the holidays and then coming back early in 2022. I cannot believe it's 2022, y'all. 2021 was so we fast. Are cur- I'm currently, we're, we're, so well, I'm not planning, but I'm like, I'm starting to hear about the plans for my 20th high school reunion, 20-year yes. high school reunion. Definitely get a cut that Good day. Good Lord, baby Jesus, I have gotten old. Get a cut but uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, send that stuff our way. And uh, uh, we once again just want to thank you guys for for listening, and uh, we thank do you. hope and pray our our motivation, our desire um, is that these podcasts are making a difference in your lives and the lives of uh, people around you. Mm-hmm. So continue to to like, share, subscribe, follow. Um, again, we don't ask you to do that because we make any money off of this. We don't. Um, it just makes. It gives opportunity for more people to hear this and uh, right. and more people to be impacted by it. So, All right, y'all. We out. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Join us next time. Yes, please join us next time as Jesse and I continue to answer questions that arise at the intersection of faith and culture.